Maybe you experienced this as a child, maybe as a parent, you did this yourself, but when a little person receives a gift or someone does something nice for them, there's this kind of silence and you look at them and you're like, what do you say? And they go, thank you. And just with that tone, right? So we, we, teach, um, we teach children gratitude as good manners. It's polite to be appreciative and to, and to say thank you. But gratitude is so much more than good manners. It's something that we refer to as a relational skill, right? Gratitude is part of this package of things that we spend one Sunday a month devoting our time to. We, we teach on it, we open up the Bible, and these are things that are all found in the Bible that as the course of history has rolled on, we've found, we've discovered that they are key to healthy relationships, that they are key to us interacting together well. They're key to, um, to our success. And so when we think about relational skills, here's the definition I would like you to, to ponder, if you will. Relational skills are about the accuracy of perception. The best relational skills allow us to see and treat ourselves and others as God sees and treats us. We use the same relational skills with God as we do with people. Right? So when we are growing into these skills, into these abilities, we become the people that God created us to be. And I would go so far as to say to you that it is impossible to become that person without these skills. These skills can only be learned in the presence of someone who already possesses them. So if you want to grow in gratitude, if you want to grow in joy, if you want to grow in your ability to recognize when your relational circuits are on and off, you find somebody who has already got that skill. And not just anybody who has that skill. It needs to be a person with whom you share a connection or an attachment. Right? The Bible calls that kind of love in the Old Testament hesed. In the New Testament, agape. I call it sticky love, right? It means no matter what you do or how many times you do it, that other person is always going to be with you, and they're going to be glad to be with you. We need that kind of attachment in order for somebody to show us what it means to be grateful or, or joyful. And as we think about Crossroads as a community, we um, the success however you want to define that, of Crossroads as a community, hinges on these things, on relational skills. Right? If, if we cannot teach each other how to be grateful, we will, we will never be the church that God intends for us to be. Right? So back to, back to gratitude now, right? Some, some little uh, sound bites on gratitude from pastor, author, speaker, Erwin McManus. Gratitude is like lubrication for our brain, right? Like motor oil to a car. You ever try to run a car without oil? My son Jake has. <laughs> and he, there was actually like a warning light, and there's still disagreement within our family as to whose responsibility it was to pay attention to the, the warning light, whether mine or, or his. Um, I had the great pleasure to live with some of my closest friends right out of college as we were all starting our work lives. I, I kid you not, me... And the guy who was the best man at my wedding, Jerry, Tom and Jerry, we got that all our lives. <laughs> Slink and Pinky, right? Pinky, kind of, if you picture like um, a bigger, angrier Matt Damon, that's what 
what Panky looks like. And he went to like a quickie lube or whatever to get his oil changed. And he left, mile down the road, car just stops. They either forgot to put the plug back in or did it improperly. Both Jake and Pinky had a really bad day, right? And the people around them had really bad days. So if we think about gratitude as lubrication for our brain and how important it is to, like a car won't function without it. That's, that's what we're talking about. Neurotheologian Dr. Jim Wilder says, it is as if appreciation flips a switch that turns on the relational part of our brain and prepares for us, prepares us for interaction with other people. It can do the same for our interaction with God as well. You ever notice how if somebody comes your way and you're just like, you're not feeling it? It doesn't matter. It could be like Gail, my favorite person in the entire world, right? If, I, if I'm like having a time of it and she comes up to me, I, I could still be like, there's still that, okay, I need my space. Just give me like back off. But if... I can find some gratitude in there somewhere, even if I'm having a time of it, I can still be glad to be with her and recognize that she's glad to be with me, right? It's that switch. There's a switch in our brain that goes off. Meister Eckhart, 13th century German theologian. Gotta love your German theologians, right? Everybody's favorite. He, <laughs> he said, if the only prayer you said in your whole life was thank you, that would suffice, right? It's a hyperbolic statement, but I've been spending a lot of time with it. And over the course of my life with Jesus, you know, I would hear people, people say, you just got to be with Jesus. You just got to be with Jesus. And I really struggled with what that meant. And I, but I, as I've begun to practice gratitude, like just sitting before Jesus and being grateful, like that's what Meister Eckhart was talking about. That is a powerful, powerful thing. And you don't need anything else. You don't need verbose, eloquent prayers. You don't need intricate theology, right? We teach the littlest children, thank you. And that's what Jesus wants to hear from his children. So we have these experts from throughout history telling us how important gratitude is to our, um, well, the way I put it, our our big idea, practicing gratitude is key to our flourishing, right? And we're going to talk more about what practice, not just the idea, but it's practicing gratitude. We're going to use this definition, noticing and appreciating the good things that exist or are happening in your life, right? Noticing and appreciating the good things that exist or are happening in your life. I want to take a second and in little bits and pieces over the course of time, I have alluded to or referenced the fact that brain science tells us how important gratitude is. There's three specific ways. There are things in our brain, in our physical brain, called neural pathways, right? The more we do something, the easier it is for us to do. It's like if you've ever been hiking in the backwoods, and not that I've ever gotten lost in the backwoods, but you've had to hike through where there's not a trail. It's not fun, right? There's prickers and bushes and rocks and roots and stuff that hasn't been cleared. Now, if you go to the Pequonic Rail Trail in the middle of Trumbull Center, that's easy. Close your eyes. Just walk a straight line. That's been walked thousands and thousands and thousands of times. Our brain is the same way, right? I wake up in the morning. My alarm goes off. I reach up literally like this, grab my phone, shut it off, 
lay there for a few minutes, try and compose myself, get up, go fill my Nalgene with water, drink my water, take my supplements, take my meds, make coffee. Every day, it's the same thing. And I don't have to think about it. That's a, that's a neural pathway, right? My brain is just that. Unfortunately, we can do that with negative things. I get stressed, I get sad, I get angry. I reach for my phone and I scroll, right? As, a, as like a coping mechanism. Can be pretty, pretty bad for us, but there are worse things. I get stressed, I get angry, I get sad. I reach for a half a gallon of ice cream. I reach for a third or fourth drink, right? Whatever it might be. And those become neural pathways. Talk to people who, who smoke or who have quit smoking. Oh man, after a meal, that's all I want to do is have a, have a cigarette. Right? There, there's that like trigger. It's just the, uh, what our brain does. The brain has these chemicals, two of them, dopamine and serotonin. And when we, listen now, it, when we give and receive gratitude and appreciation, our brain releases these chemicals. And these chemicals do things like allow us to experience pleasure. They allow, they control our mood. They allow us to connect with people at a deeper level. They control our sleep, our sleep. And gratitude can have an impact on that. And the last one is this idea of cognitive restructuring. And if any of you have any familiarity with cognitive behavioral therapy, it runs along those lines. And I kind of, I think about it um, like this. Our, the right side of our brain is where our character and our identity resides. And those things happen faster than conscious thought, right? The things that we do without thinking, that's our character, that's our identity. And if we operate from a place of gratitude, that defines us. So what happens is, okay, right side of my brain, faster than I'm, I'm conscious of is like, we're operating from a place of gratitude. Our left side, the left side of our brain, which does the problem solving, is like, okay, I'm grateful for this situation. There's something good gonna happen. I'm really oversimplifying this, right? If the right side of our brain, if we operate out of anger or fear, left side of our brain, problem solving. Somebody just cut me off. They're a jerk and I need to get in front of them and break check them, right? But the more we become aware, like we're going through our day, oh man, how pleasant that was that that person just smiled at me. And if, we're, if we notice that, that can stop. We could actually restructure the way we think rather than operating out of fear. I'm not doing a good job explaining that, I'm sorry. Rather than operating out of fear or operating out of sadness, operating out of anger, we operate from a place of gratitude and it changes, it changes everything. Um, brain science and the Bible. Man, when these things come together, we gotta pay attention. We've got to pay attention. This is from Dr. Jim Wilder again. Gratitude is the first step to building joy into our lives and, it, and helps us experience a more consistent attachment with God. And when, when I read something like attachment with God, I want you to think God sees you. He hears you. He understands you. He wants to be with you and he's there for you. That when I say attachment to God, that's what I mean. 
like a newborn child and his mother attached to God. Right? So when, when we think about gratitude from a biblical standpoint, it opens the door to that type of relationship with God. There are 70, 80, 90 verses that talk about gratitude. The Psalms over and over and over again. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Over and over and over. But these are two kind of anchor passages from the New Testament that I'm not going to drill down on, but I want to draw your attention to because of their similarities. The one, um, 1 Thessalonians was written to the church at Thessalonica. The other one, Philippians, written to the church in Philippi. Different cultures, but both fledgling little communities trying to follow Jesus at a time when it was hard to follow Jesus. And by hard to follow Jesus, I mean dangerous to your health, right? Life-threatening. There were financial troubles associated with their faith. There were relational struggles associated with their faith. There were theological struggles as they were emerging out of Judaism and growing into this thing that we now call, call Christianity. So Paul, the same guy, wrote these two letters to these two different churches, to, Thessalo uh, to the Thessalonian church. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. To the Philippian church, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There's three things that jump out of there. It's similar, right? Gratitude is always appropriate. Thessalonians use that word, always. Philippians, in all circumstances. Good, bad, indifferent, it's always appropriate. There's a direct correlation between gratitude and joy. Both passages talk about rejoicing always. And gratitude is God's will for us. God's desire for you and for me is that we live from a place of gratitude, not fear, not sadness, not, not anger, right? We don't have to drive ourselves crazy. Oh, what's God, God's will for me? What's God's will for me? God's will for, for us is we would rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. That's God's will for us. These churches were in difficult situations, like I described. And that's why it's important that we practice gratitude, right? Because when things get hard, it's not easy to be grateful. So when, I, when we talk about practicing gratitude, it's doing things that draw our mind to appreciation when things are good, when things are, are neutral, so that when things are not so good or not so neutral, we already have that right side of our brain primed, and that's who we are. We're people who are grateful. All right, so I just want to throw three out there that we, we have done all of these. The la last week, we did a gratitude practice where we just told gratitude stories, not saying the word like, oh, I'm grateful for family, but like, oh, man, we had this one Thanksgiving that was just amazing. Everybody brought the perfect food. The house was just the right temperature. Nobody was opening and closing doors when they shouldn't have been. <laughs> Not that I did that this year. Um, <laughs> and, and the conversation at the table was great, and people just lingered around the table forever, right? That's a gratitude story. 
invite people into what's going on. And so you can do that on your own. You don't have, it's, it's better if you can share it with somebody, but just writing it down for yourself and keeping a journal, like a gratitude, a gratitude journal. The examine, this is something that we've done. Uh, Ignatius, the guy who invented it, encouraged it to be done at the end of the day. I don't have the bandwidth at the end of the day to do it, so I'll do it in the morning for the day that just went by. And you stop and you think specifically, you find it starts with finding things to be grateful for from the last 24 hours. And then gratitude meditation. This comes right out of the next verse of that Philippians passage I read. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You find that Thanksgiving meal that was amazing, and you just sit in it, and you try to re-experience it. Right? If the temperature was perfect, what did that feel like in your body? If you had too much turkey, what did that feel like in your stomach? Right? You try it, you relive that moment. Th that's what Christian, what Christian meditation is, filling your, thing, filling your mind on the things that God thinks are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable. So those are three, there's lots of, lots of different ways that we can practice gratitude. Those are three that we've done and three that I would encourage you to continue to do. I just want to um, wrap up kind of my thoughts on overcoming the difficulties of, of practicing gratitude. There are things that are out of our control, right? Difficult circumstances, sickness, illness, grief, loss, sadness, loneliness, all of that stuff are emotions. Some of them are emotions, but they're all part of living in a broken world that we can't necessarily control. Those can make gratitude hard. There are things like lack of attention, resentment, entitlement. Those are things we can control, and those make gratitude hard. So I want to give you three kind of thoughts to address when gratitude is hard and what we can, what we can do about it and try and work our way through it. And the first one, I'm always saying fix our eyes on Jesus, fix our eyes on Jesus, but specifically this time, fix our eyes on Jesus' pace. I forget the uh, Japanese theologian's name who, who said Jesus walked at, traveled at the speed of love, right? The speed of love is three miles an hour. That's the average pace that somebody, that somebody walks. Jesus always took his time. He was never, ever in a rush. By stopping to do things like the examine, by going through our day at a little bit slower pace, we can recognize if we're, instead of like running through the, the checkout line at, at Stop and Shop, if we're like slow enough to be able to engage with the person behind the register, maybe they have an appreciation for us. Maybe they're going to smile at us. Maybe we can share an appreciation with them. But we got to slow down. So that means we look at our schedules and our calendars differently. That means we look at the things that we schedule for our kids and how much stuff we schedule for our kids. It means we create margin in our schedules so that we have time to travel a little bit slower and in the moment we can be grateful and experience appreciation. We let God out of the box. Kate did a great job last week sharing with us how um, 
Jonah actually resented God. And God showed mercy to these people called the Ninevites. And if there's anybody who didn't deserve mercy, it was them. And Jonah was mad at God because God didn't treat the Ninevites the way Jonah thought God should have treated the Ninevites. So Jonah resented God. And if we can get to a point where we can let God out of the box of the box that we construct for him, this is God is how you should behave. These are the things that you should do. These are the things that you shouldn't do. We can, we can get to a point where we can begin to appreciate even the hard things. And I say that about God who has a great track record. Right? We think about Joseph from the Old Testament. We think about these biblical figures. Joseph was trafficked by his family. And God took that and used it for the security of an entire nation. Daniel was taken captivity. And God used that to speak through Daniel prophetic messages that we still rely on to this day. To this day. God took Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection, the most unjust, cruel thing that's ever been done to anyone. And he used that to provide salvation to all those who would accept it. We have a God who specializes in turning hard, sad, terrible things into his glory and our good. And that's not an easy thing to wrap our brains around. But the more we study him, the more we understand his character, the more we can move. Gratitude can help us move out of that place of resentment. When we look, we allow God out of that box. And the last thing is that we would see as God sees. The goodness of God is a, just like all of his other attributes, is an infinite characteristic. It's infinite. But we have made it conditional. We have some ideas around, just like we put God in a box, we put goodness in a box. And I I've, was listening to an episode of a podcast and I really have, have been wrestling with this thought. How would you define good, right? You live, we live in a beautiful area, Fairfield County, Connecticut. Would somebody from the east side of Bridgeport define good the same way? Would somebody in Israel or Gaza define good the same way? Would somebody in Ukraine define good the same way? If we can shift our perspective, shift the angle from which we view things like goodness, it opens the door to a level of appreciation that we don't currently have. Am I making sense? All right. So... <clears throat> We look to the Bible, and the Bible commands, encourages Jesus as an example. In the prayer we just read, right, the night before he died, he was grateful. He gave thanks. Brain science tells us how great gratitude is for our well-being and for our social interactions and the success of things like marriages and families and communities and, and further further out we do things like start meetings with gratitude stories and highs from the week we encourage one another 
to practice gratitude individually and together because it is so key to our flourishing, so key to us living the lives that God created us for. You guys, thanks for, for um, participating in the discussion. It sounds like things are going well in the groups. If, if you are still at a point where you're not maybe 100% sold on the idea of gratitude and, it, and its efficacy, um, and maybe this will move the needle a little bit. Many of you know, many of you walked through with us um, last year when we almost lost our younger son, Jared, to an accidental overdose. Um, I am convinced, as much as I can be convinced of anything, that the reason that I was able to remain kind to Gail, to the staff at the hospital, to the insurance companies, to the rehab centers, was because of gratitude. 14, 15 months prior to that experience, I began to learn about gratitude, I began to study it, I began to practice it. My gratitude practice looks like every morning I wake up and I do the stuff I described and then I get quiet and I will try to spend five minutes reliving a gratitude memory. And I had been doing that and because I had been doing that in the midst of that situation of, like, I was 100% sure of God's presence in that ICU room, 100%. And before we knew whether Jared was going to make it or not, I was absolutely aware that God was with us and for us, and he understood us, and he saw us, and he heard us. And it's because, right, I was, my brain was on gratitude. So um, I, I offer that as an encouragement to you if you're in a spot where maybe you're, you're struggling to find gratitude or understand how gratitude works. Um, that's how it, it can work. All right? Lord Jesus, we thank you. We're grateful for you. We're great, grateful for your example that you lived a life in gratitude. Um, to your Father, uh, you, you modeled it for us so well. Your word um, commands it, encourages it. Jesus, would you make us people of gratitude? Would you slow us down? God, would you expand our field of view? Would you allow us to see as you see so that we might live from a place of gratitude, that that might be our character? We might be defined as people who operate from a place of gratitude. Lord Jesus, we love you and we do thank you.